0: clemson dubcast it is friday february 9th our featured guest this week just happens to be the feature guy on all things recruiting at tigerillustrated.com paul strelo alone and we hear this a lot is worth the price of admission at tigerillustrated.com so if you haven't signed up yet now 8-1 or online at parhamlaw.com. That's P-A-R-H-A-M law.com. When you're ready for a complete renovation in your home or business, open the door to more with Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Their local experienced team will totally transform any room space from beautiful floor coverings to construction to finished details. Harris handles every step of your renovation process, whether it's a kitchen or living room or an industrial or educational setting, like some of the positively stunning work they've done at Clemson University. Go to Discover Harris com and experience a total renovation transformation from Harris Home and Harris Commercial. Solero Communications formerly known as Tandem Payment is a full service integrated electronic payments provider powered by leading edge technology. Solero provides a wide array of merchant solutions simplified payments. They make onboarding, taking payments, maintaining risk management and compliance and getting support quick and easy. At Solero they're all about helping you achieve sustainable growth as a business. Taking payments isn't the only thing your business needs. With Solero's solutions, you can manage inventory, sell products and services via social media, schedule staff, track sales, get reports, and much, much more. Find out more about Solero at CeleroCommerce.com. That's C-E-L-E-R-O commerce.com. Okay, familiar voice, familiar name here. Paul Strelo. Here we go. Okay, joined by Paul Strelo of a website called let's see tigerillustrated.com. How you doing, sir?
1: Fantastic, fantastic. Glad to glad to be back. It's been too long.
0: It has. It has. Uh All right, as we we're recording this at 10:36 on a Friday morning, tell me what a a morning a Friday morning in the life of Strelo looks like. <laughs>
1: Oh, Friday is actually – Friday is as close to a weekend day, I think, as, as I kind of feel like. So the uh, the the life of Strelow uh, is more along the lines of, all right, uh, I've got, got kids to pick up after school, dinner to get ready before there's two hours of Taekwondo, uh, <laughs> as well as, for one kid, and then – Another kid's got uh, a full day of three soccer scrimmages in Columbia tomorrow for, for high school, uh, as well as uh, writing some of our material uh, that we publish on the weekend. Uh, so that, that has been going on this morning and just kind of getting life back together a little bit because uh, uh, my, my schedule kind of goes differently with you know, Monday Insiders, kind of our, at least my franchise piece. And so that consumes all day Sunday. Uh, And if I'm, you know, if I'm really ahead of the game, maybe I can get some writing done on that Saturday to alleviate some of the pressure on Sunday. Uh, So the the work week starts theoretically early. Uh, And then if I can get enough done by the the end of weekdays, uh, then I'm trying to get a get a mailbox put back up, put, you know, different things around the house here that uh, that kind of get pushed back through the course of a week
0: the volume of your voice went up a little bit when you started talking about the rest of your day.
2: <laughs> <laughs> maybe blood pressure
0: too.
1: <laughs> oh, maybe, oh, I don't know. Uh, but the, I, I, I enjoy like one of the, there with everybody's jobs, there are pros and cons. Uh, and one of the benefits to the line of work that you and I are in is some flexibility and schedule. Uh, and, you know, I've, I, I, you, you've got a couple daughters, I've got five kids. And so to kind of be able to participate in these activities with them is such a blessing in what I, what we do early, you know, at least speak for, for myself there. And just generally like being able to go and help coach a couple sports or, or do things here and there, like, uh, I lead a very active, uh, life, but I wouldn't trade that for anything to kind of get that kind of family engagement that, that we're afforded.
0: What's the, with how busy you are, what's the most, um, I don't know if stressful is the word, but when you were caught in a position of maybe in the act of coaching a game and something happens work-wise, uh, the <laughs> most memorable sort of, I guess not conflict, but just sort of intersection <laughs> of, of, the, of the family and the professional?
1: Oh, sure. There have been plenty of times where... Oh, oh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of recently where there have been different things going on, even with with Transfer Portal uh, going back last month, where I've got a couple of, uh, you know, a couple, two of my daughters playing high school basketball that I assisted coach those teams. uh, And so distant travel into faraway places to where I'm out of pocket or even kind of on the sidelines before games. But I know like a commitment is going to drop at six o'clock. Uh, and how am I going to negotiate that from uh, while I'm also trying to break down a press, you know, <laughs> uh, from, from, so uh, there was an episode of that recently. You know, the, the story that always kind of jumps out to me is going back a number of years, um, just as like I think I was coaching U13 rec soccer on a Saturday morning uh, and and get a call middle, of, you know, middle of a match like. Yeah, you know, Xavier Thomas is about to commit, uh, mm-hmm. from one of our sources. Uh, and that was a bombshell at the time, yeah. you know, n- no one knew that was coming. And so suddenly having to just kind of like in, in mid match, just turn around. And luckily I had an assistant coach for a rec level be like, you've got to, you know, I need you to, <laughs> to take over now. Like, uh, work's got to get done. <laughs> and so to just kind of turn around and really like with, with kids yelling in the background and parents and everything you know, I'm interviewing Xavier Thomas there on the phone, uh, before, before his pledge is about to come out,
2: you know, wow. so that's,
1: uh, that, that one kind of jumps out, but you know, I think there, there are all the times where you're, you know, you're in the, like in the middle of a date night, uh, and, and Clemson, you know, learning Clemson is about to get a commitment and suddenly you kind of have to drop everything, uh, and, and run and, and kind of take care of that. So, you know, again, that's, uh, uh, par, par, for the profession. We respond to the news, uh, and that's just part of the deal. And, and luckily you and I are both blessed to have spouses who've worked in the news industry and get that. Uh, I don't think a lot of people have in our line of work, have that luxury. Uh, uh and it certainly is a luxury because it, it is stressful and, and, uh, our spouses have had to deal with that through the years. Uh, but, uh, that's, it's just kind of par for the course
0: could be worse we could be assistant football coaches college coaches
1: yes <laughs> indeed indeed
0: um what so okay have you been mainly an assistant in your coaching role various coaching roles have you been a head coach uh what would tell, tell the, the story I, mean, I,
1: I hesitate to even call my like call myself a coach. There are real coaches out there. Um, <laughs> I don't, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I, consider, you know, I'm more of a parent who gets involved in coaching. Uh, and so for like a basketball level, like I consider myself more like quality control there, there are things I can do from, you know, a basketball background that I know technique and, and can help little places here and there. True coaches. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, in my mind are ones, you know, they've got this, the full catalog of plays and, and systems, and I'm nowhere near that depth. So I, I, I hesitate to ever, you know, to hes- to characterize myself as a coach, but by literal, you know, literal, um, you know, it's not spirit of the rule, letter of the law is what I was looking for. You know, technically I do help coach. <laughs> so assistant basketball coach, rec rec level of soccer um you know i've got like a, have gone from u5 through u13 and now with our youngest child starting back with her uh, and have a a group of u7 kids that you uh shepherd and try and keep off the ground and from biting each other or biting <laughs> me um that kind of deal so yeah take take that for what it's worth on a level of coaching uh but i'm i'm in Involved in youth sports.
0: <laughs> what I'm fascinated about is having known you since, I guess, the late '90s. Mm-hmm. Is the sound of you yelling? Because I've never, literally, <laughs> never heard you yell.
2: Uh,
1: I, I think my wife would agree with you. There's very little that uh, that stirs me up. <laughs> I'm a I'm a pretty sedate person, but I start talking sports uh, and and things get active, Uh, and that's probably why I'm in the uh, the profession I'm in. There is a passion to it uh, that is that that nothing else really kind of stirs me up quite like it. Um, Whereas, like vice versa, my wife would say, you know, and you know, Rebecca is like, you want to put her to sleep, tell her about the game. (laughs) <laughs> you know, whereas, whereas, for for me, uh, but that is that is that is where I carry such a strong relationship and as well with my kids uh, is like they they enjoy, like I, I have a great relationship with them and blessed with that, uh, and they want me coaching them. They want me at practices. With, you know, kind of the the best thing that that we ever do is after games, the ride back, talk. You know, just kind of talking plays you know, kind of playing the game out again in our, our heads, uh, the engagement there and the connection that we've had is probably is what keeps me going because there are plenty of situations where like I get, I get, you know, you know, you get physically run down or just get tired of kind of doing it. Um, but that's, that's kind of the fun we have together is them playing sports, uh, my involvement with it. Uh, and then, you know, it just kind of carries through dinner conversations and, and rides places. And uh, it's, it, I don't know, it's just kind of been a, it's been a a fabric that kind of uh, has tied our family together for many years.
0: It's so interesting hearing about your experience being involved <clears throat> with your kids' sports. And it's, it's so different from mine as it relates to my daughter's um, participation in cross country and track like there's nothing I can add (laughs) (laughs) like they get coached every day you know by good coaches
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and so like if I'm at one of their races and I'm one of those parents who's like you know come on Mm
2: -hmm. you gotta focus (laughs) or run faster (laughs)
0: like what 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 is that like what does that even what does it mean what does it add I mean i mean my daughters would get really mad at me first of all yeah (laughs) And so i'm like totally deferential i mean i get excited Mm -hmm. about it you know and i'll you know i can follow key parts of races and we can talk about that afterward but i can't Mm -hmm. there's no way i can say so why didn't you push harder there at the end i I, I don't know (laughs) i have no idea Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) so that's kind of interesting
1: I mean, every area, there's a delicate balance all the way around for, for everybody. And there are certainly like the times, and I'm not like, uh, I've got daughters that play for other coaches, you know, Daughter plays for another coach in soccer. And certainly there's different you know, deference to what they coach and you're just kind of talking through different moments. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess it's just kind of a feeling as well as uh, I lost kind of the, the thought there, but uh, generally like, you also kind of know when to pull back and like in coaching basketball, um, this season, like by and large, like I let the head coach and somebody else coach my daughters, mm-hmm. you know, like they're going to be, you know, you got it's kind of, it is an interesting line you kind of consider on like my role ultimately is to be dad and to be the one supporting them. Uh, and, and, and sometimes that can involve constructive criticism, but generally they need to still see you as dad rather than coach. Uh, so it, uh, there are all kinds of different fine lines to walk, but it's, but it's a, a fun existence and one that, uh, as you can attest, uh, as your, your daughters are you know, get up there as well, like, just kind of appreciating it while it's here because you know, there are only so many years of sports they
0: have. I guess another difference is we're talking, in our case, an individual sport. Uh, mm-hmm. versus a versus team sports and one of the great benefits of it being an individual sport is there's really nobody for anybody to blame, yeah. you know, or to yeah, you know, like an <laughs> official or a coach or whatever. Like mm-hmm. if you don't run if you don't place where you wanted to place, well, run faster, you know. Yeah.
2: And so that <laughs> leads something about it. Yeah,
0: that leads to so so much of a better spirit just around the events it's just more mm-hmm. so it feels just so much more positive you know obviously yes some high intensity you know for the mm-hmm. more important races but it just feels like the parents are doing what they should do and
2: mm-hmm. watching
0: <laughs> for the most part yes <laughs> the intensity of gosh i, I don't know I, i'm curious for your thoughts on just uh just how intense things are from a the crowd perspective just in general with, with youth league high schools and all that just um, cause I have my, my opinions and perspectives.
1: My dad and, and when I played high school basketball, I used to sit off in a corner uh, because he just couldn't stand hearing people, you know, uh, of, mm. of just how obnoxious it was. And I relate to that <laughs> uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, a, a different dynamic. My kids play soccer and, and, and basketball Uh, and, and so it was an eye opener for particularly my wife. Like I grew up in a basketball environment. Um, and so my kids have not, do not play high level basketball. Um, and it's just kind of a a low uh, skeezer, uh, level and have not played long, but just the, the intensity within a basketball arena was much different, uh, than for example, like my wife had ever experienced, like it is loud. Um, people are obnoxious. There, there's obnoxious in soccer, uh, but because you're outdoors and it's so spread out, it just it does certainly reverberate different um, within the, within that group. And there are there are plenty. It, it's a great con. You know, there's a huge contrast because you'll play clubs where there are parents who are just sitting there and just on their phones. So what two mm-hmm. or three parents even show up, or, or you got the ones who really get into it and are screaming bloody murder and that your kid is awful and stuff like that so honestly kind of like uh you know uh, i don't like to say this necessarily because i'm a fan too but i I just generally find that fans can be obnoxious (laughs) you know uh, and it's not all of them but it's the the vocal minority uh that just kind of get to me and I tend to be more rah-rah positive, mm-hmm. uh, where but on the inside, I'm, I'm the one like screaming bloody murder, I suppose.
0: Yeah. So what's the? It's, it's let, let's, let's just say fans yelling at refs. Like what's the line mm-hmm. in your mind that you can't cross? Like okay, like okay, hey, that was a travel.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: then uh, the difference between that and are you blind? You know, something like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it turns personal and that's, uh, uh, again, uh, I think it's, uh, or not again, but I, I think it's hard to know, hard, hard to d- tell people where that line is, you know, and it's certain, probably a matter of taste. I, I don't really just kind of agree with the sentiment, like particularly in, in, in college pro sports, like we pay for the ticket, we can yell for yell, whatever we want. Uh, that one, uh, I don't particularly agree with, but, it's like if you, where you set that standard is such a tough line, but you just kind of keep seeing, uh, well, this is allowed. So now we're stretching farther and farther to where, you know, I'm a huge pro soccer guy. Would I ever take my kids to a European soccer match? I don't know <laughs> because of the language and just the, the pure hatred that spews within. Like, it's great for TV, um, just the loud, you know, the passion you get from the, the fans, but. You know, the details on what are actually being said is awful (laughs) in a large part. And you see the NFL stadiums. So it's more of a societal thing on what we allow within within sports arenas. Uh, And but, you know, where every weekend is just kind of filled with viral videos from NFL stadiums where where fans are brawling now. And it's cool to kind of punk other people. Uh, I don't know where how you necessarily say you enforce it. Um, but I don't know. It's just, it's out of control everywhere. <laughs> it's almost like that, that. Now, now I'm on my old man porch here <laughs> and you see what you've done.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, I'm with you on the porch, uh, telling people to get off our lawn. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it all, it's almost like, you know, people are so mouthy, you know, clapping back online now on social media that, And one of the reasons for that is probably you're not standing there looking that person in the eye. So even when you're in the same gym, you're still not really standing there looking that person in the eye. You're doing it from, you know, 100 feet away. And so it's maybe Mm -hmm. an extension of that. But I just look at it like, man, these refs are getting paid squat. And there's like a (laughs) dire shortage of them as it is Mm -hmm. in part because of all this.
1: And yes. they're also, they're,
0: they're members of our community, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> if I saw the, like
1: I, I, I generally think there's a rule. I, like I, I feel like the, there should be a rule that you cannot commentate on referees unless you have refereed something within the course of a yeah. year, like just some kind of time span, because yes, there, there are officials out there who do poor, you know, who, who miss calls who aren't very good, who don't know the rules necessarily, but for one, it's not personal uh, in most cases, uh, it can become personal uh, but but just generally, like it is hard to officiate, uh, and it's gotten even harder to officiate with uh, different rules that different games have. Um, and, you know and replay has thrown everything out of out of whack, you know uh, for the you know pro and college sports and and now, like name any name any fan base that feels like their conference has good officials. <sighs> They are, they all think they're terrible. Uh, and it's, but it's impossible, uh, at the speed at which the game is played. Uh, and probably particularly like you're also, I mean, not that vision can be is can be all that great in your twenties and thirties. Um, but it takes a while to get up the professional ladder, uh, and to know every little thing, like you are going to miss calls, that are going to be magnified when you you know slow things down in slow motion on TV, or you get the chance to actually replay it. Um, you know, I, I just I think we have way too high a standard for what the the human can do in officiating a game at full speed. You know, uh, and particularly as you know uh, as we're trying to define what's a catch and what's not a catch, and, and things get slowed down to the the nth, nth frame on TV, you know, uh, but that that's getting into college sports more than, than the youth sports element where they're, you know, you're paying, you know, either a teenager or a grown man, like $20 to come officiate your game. Like, you know, he's, he's just trying to make some extra bucks <laughs> he or she, uh, and then, and then you're, you know, whereas that game, you know, every little touch foul, your, your Johnny is, you know, uh, is getting disrespected, uh, I think we've probably, we've taken it too far.
0: If you're the head coach of a basketball team, mm-hmm. or even baseball, I guess, and I guess at halftime of a basketball game, a parent, a parent who's not on the staff comes up to his son or daughter, his or her son or daughter, and has given his son or daughter his, own, his or her own coaching, Instruction mm-hmm. at halftime is that? Is that too much?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I,
1: I think absolutely. As, as much as I I promote parental involvement, like absolutely, and I, yeah. I like I get that you know, and it's different even at like the youth soccer ages. Um, but there there are a couple of uh, parents that I've had that have straddled or gone well beyond the line on what they should, and so it's trying to trying to diplomatically. You know, you know, uh, kind of draw, set your boundaries there because you have to, or else others are going to cross it. And it sets examples. Um, you know, I, I think you got to know how to massage the situation, but yeah, like, a, uh, I I mean, uh, you are, you are the coach for a reason. Uh, if they wanted to coach, they could have signed up and done it <laughs> or, or, or what, you know, whatever, like you can yell from the, you know, uh, they're gonna be. You can't stop parents from yelling from the stands, uh, but you certainly have to try and try and control those types of things as a coach. I believe.
0: All right, to counter all that, the world is ending uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> apocalyptic <laughs> view of things. I, I have sports to... are great. Sports are awful. <laughs> uh, there's no in between. I have to say, I've been recently going to some of Daniel's basketball games, and there have been some just mm-hmm. really cool things from those experiences that I've taken. One was um, Daniel played at Seneca a couple of weeks ago in a game that had some region implications, and it was an absolute barn burner. Um, uh-huh. Not to get into play-by-play, but Seneca's up three at the end of regulation. Daniel, point guard, gets fouled on a three-point attempt with .8 seconds left. And I guess mm-hmm. this is only a few days after a, a foul with 0. 0.8 seconds left at, at Duke with Clemson. Anyway, I'm like, this is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, for all the talk about, oh, the fundamentals are terrible and the competition isn't what it, what it once was. I mean, this whole game was just awesome in terms of the atmosphere and the intensity mm-hmm. of, and the competition and the dude, you know, in a, the most difficult environment you can think of and situation, he just drains all three free throws. It's like, man. I mean, I would have melted. Most people would have melted. But uh um, yes. but I just walked away from that game thinking, man, that was that was kind of good for the soul, you know, after being around mm-hmm. all the crazy upheaval of of college athletics that they're going through. And uh not that there's not some purity in college sports remaining, but uh mm-hmm. and then also, I had a revelation in watching the Daniel girls team that they're so fundamentally sound with their shooting but mm-hmm. I mean almost all of them, and i I was thinking, you know not I haven't been against women's basketball for my whole life i I, I certainly we we joke about the old Ken Berger line that would not yeah. be allowed to be written <laughs>
2: out. <laughs> yeah.
0: About, about I, I love women and I love basketball, but I hate women's basketball. But just the premise that mm-hmm. it's such an inferior uh, thing that, yeah, I'm going to watch the superior thing. I mean, that's really been my philosophy. I want to watch the best players. But, yeah. but when you're watching girls or women play and their fundamentals are so sound... And maybe because they're not as focused on the, you know, thirty-five foot three-pointer or the dunks, and they're focused more on the mid-range, and they focus more on honing their mechanics. And it's like maybe that's, arguably, a pure form of basketball. Fundamentally, does that make does that make sense to you?
1: I mean, a lot of that that speaks to a lot of different points. I mean, even in, like your your first point even kind of takes me to like one, like how hard it is to get community in today's world. Uh, and that's where, that's where sports, whether it's at the the school level or, or your track, you know, some, like some club sports, you know, still, still is one of the few bastions that kind of brings people together like that, um, geographically. Uh, and so, you know, that, that I value and appreciate, uh, speaking to kind of even, even girls basketball, uh, specifically like, you know, uh, like I covered a a lot early, a lot of high school and JV girls basketball early in my journalism career, you know, 25 years ago. And like, I just kind of, you know, you felt like, or I felt like at times it was often a jump ball waiting to happen. And it it is at the the poorer levels, but what I experienced in college was also like, you know, and I went to Chapel Hill and they had a couple of championship national kind of ch- national championship contender teams at that time, starting to play against those girls in pickup games. Like uh, they were strong, fast, uh, aggressive, you know, better than, you know, th- they were equivalent to like the college football players playing basketball out in pickup. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that was, that was impressive. And that, that probably gave me, you know, in that point, my first respect for the game, but I think we've seen, you know, uh, seeing the resources go into women's sports, and and over time, what you know, I think the the byproduct of that is that we are we have seen the game grow for, you know, not only team wise, but the individual skill that you mentioned. Uh, and and as much as you know, another talk, the point that kind of derives from that is as much as people like to talk about basketball specifically like on on how the game has devolved well i I think that that there can be you know you can make points at the at certain levels uh, because of because of what travel ball does that knowledge and iq of the game has suffered for a lot of players but i think individual skill has risen uh, Mm -hmm. with the amount of time uh, that has gone into specifically developing that uh, and as well as with trainers, all that stuff. But I think the, to your point there, the skill level in in girls basketball has risen considerably uh, for what more players can do, the the ceiling can do. uh, And with more players playing, playing earlier, playing longer, you know, I think we are seeing the fruits of that come out with where the, where the women's college game is right now. uh, And, and just kind of how attractive that is and it trickling down to, uh what we're seeing that that girls girls high school basketball is a much better product uh than it was not that long ago
0: it's carrying sort of what you were talking about about people talk, you know the fundamentals and the knowledge and all that i do think people take it take the dismissing of modern now like what's going on right now as being just hopelessly inferior to what i grew up with that is taken too far in a lot of cases, I think, because <laughs> like I mean just in n b a in particular mm-hmm. it's so easy to just sort of ridicule it as being just oh it's just one on one and it's like man the the finals last summer mm-hmm. both the the heat and the and the nuggets i mean that was both of those teams got there because they were they played team basketball and actually had some mm-hmm. culture. I think uh that really bound them together at least from what I saw, and um that was a that was pure basketball in my opinion at least I don't know what you think
1: my opinion is no one will ever make that comment who has ever gotten a a seat fairly close to the floor in, for an nBA yeah. basketball game yeah. <laughs> like uh you go and you just go go watch the warm ups and watch you know and yes it's shooting on air, but watch watch how well. The, the people of this size, this you know, strength, etc., are consistently hitting distant shots. You know the different routines they go through. You know just the uh, shots that if you watch at college level, the best players are not hitting with that proficiency. Uh, and then watch an actual game and see how big these folks are, how athletic, strong they are, and what it takes. You know how. You know how precise you have to be, how hard it is to get an open shot. Uh, you, you know you you've got you talk about it in football where you've got you know the higher levels you go, the, the the smaller the window is to fit in a pass. I mean, the window gets a lot smaller to get off a shot at the pro level. Uh, and so to be you know six you know six, eight, six tens, you know the seven footers hitting distant threes, to have Curry, you know who's getting grabbed, clutch whatever. The amount of energy and effort it takes to get that split second separation, and what the shots he can routinely and consistently hit with no time, no space. Uh, like a, if you don't get an appreciation for the how the skill level has advanced through the years, uh, to me that you know that that is more the story than the you know than the game necessarily devolving. Uh, I, I don't think you can witness it firsthand without having an appreciation for. The, you know how how the skill level in individual players has risen through the years
0: and the part that I don't really buy into either with these criticisms is oh man back in the 80s and 90s man they these guys wouldn't dare go in the lane they'd get they'd get their butts kicked and and this and that and, and I, I I love the 80s I mean you know fond memories of, mm-hmm. of growing up watching those games but and I think Ryan Rossillo has said this too. He's like, if you okay, yeah, playoff basketball was rugged and all that, but if you just go back and watch some of the regular season basketball
2: from <laughs> that time and the defense
0: was terrible then too. Like uh-huh.
2: yeah, or,
0: or, or it wasn't it just was wasn't this murderer's row of 82 games of just unforgivable. Yes. And, and I think you hit it, <laughs> Paul, is the this the they're so fast now, it's so hard to get off a shot. Like I don't really see a lot of bad Defense when I watch the NBA. Of course, I'm only watching the playoffs mostly, mm-hmm. but still, it's just a, these are different creatures. Um, yeah. They're just so much more advanced. Like, I mean, Patrick Ewing camping out in the post, you know, I'm, I mean, it seems like everybody his size now is a face up, <laughs> like they're, mm-hmm. they can shoot from three <laughs> and they can create off the dribble, which is just mind blowing. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I think the dynamic, uh, you know, persists across all sports. Yeah, you know, but particularly professional sports, like you know, uh, it, it, anyone does their job. There are going to be days you do your job better than others, uh, and the wear and tear of travel, et cetera. Playoff at, playoff sports across every sport, the intensity is going to be such a different level than what you get regular season. Uh, and so, I don't know that people are necessarily dogging it during the regular season. But yes, it's going. It, the product is going to be better or more intense, which is what we as fans you know, like, and will be entertained by more, uh, in the playoffs. Uh, you know, I, I just can't, I don't know that it's, that it's considerably softer, uh, than it was, you know, regular season, uh, going back, you know, and, and, and like, I'm no different than anybody else. Like I hold more nostalgia to like late eighties and early nineties, ACC basketball, uh, than the, than the current day stuff. But was but was the the product actually all that different? I mean, the styles and whatnot, But I don't know that you can say, you know, say that the game is 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 any better or worse. It's just different.
0: I will say in fairness, that the rules are sort of engineered to favor offense, you know, um, mm-hmm. and to um, make it harder for for defense, but it's still it's like the age old or the decades old sort of cynicism about the NBA, like last summer watching the playoffs and I asked various people that I, who I know, like, are you watching this? Like, no, I can't, I I can't watch that. And I'm like, have you tried? No, no. It's like, have you seen, have you seen the Joker play? No, no, not really. Well, just, just watch, just watch for like 10 minutes. And I think you'll be,
2: (laughs) you'll have a different opinion.
0: (laughs) Um, so anyway it's a fun uh, fun endeavor you're talking about covering high school uh, stuff a long time ago I'm the state of the media business right now is just so bleak I'm I, I just mm-hmm. I look at it just like the disintegration of newspapers the the total sort of disfiguring of what our beat looks like compared to what it looked like 10-15 years ago I guess there's some positive to it <laughs> Um mm-hmm. but i mean first of all I'm just thankful that i'm that we 're sitting here in two thousand twenty four we we have good jobs and we have lots of customers which i you know i'm just i feel like lucky I guess, and sort yes. of like what did i what did I do to deserve still being able to do this for a living i just don't just was curious to talk to you about sort of your reflections on just how just how things have changed and um just where things are Headed, I guess it's hard to predict. I
1: mean, uh, that is a, the great question on on where things are headed. Like someone I, I ran across a couple of weeks ago, their their daughter was just just out of college, getting into television, and a you know essentially working f- doing like the evening news. You know what what in you know ten years ago, even more you know or, or more or less, you know would that's like your that's like the big job. That you're looking for in TV, if you can get to it. But this, you know, this young lady is basically ha- not even getting enough to like split an apartment with somebody. You know, and this is at a, a decent television station uh, in Georgia, uh, and it's just kind of where do you where do you take your career from there? Like if you're already on you know already on the network, your television news, uh, and it's not even kind of enough to make make the living on. So, uh, as my, da- like one of my daughters is a, is a senior and among the things, you know, she's looking to major in part of it is journalism. And I just cringe <laughs> like at that, <laughs> like you just want to tell, you know, no, run, run. But the thinking is more, there's podcasting involved, et cetera, and what she's seeking to do. And so it's, it's hard from, from my perch, you know, frankly, you know, like I, I feel like you and I, uh, we're kind of, we're in, we're in great jobs. There are just so few great jobs anymore. Like the, that, uh, the, that you know, uh, how much, how long will the great jobs last even uh, as quickly as, as things are changing here that, you know, just, I don't know. I, I kind of consider almost journalism, journalism in and of itself, it, I won't necessarily categorize as dead, but the vast majority of it is, you know, it, uh, it's all you everyone's writing to a specific audience uh, and and whatever side of that is, you know, political, sports wise, whatever. Um, you've got people that, you know, a a market you are trying to to cater to in some respects. That's the, the definition of of what journalism is, has kind of changed more to content production. Uh, with some reporting in it, perhaps, you know, uh, I think for ours, we have more reporting than than most folks, uh, but uh, it's more about content production more than journalism anymore.
0: And and there were some bad parts of the previous model, for yes. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> one that is at the top of my mind is like, so, you know, in the newspaper days, um, you know, the, it was the beat writer's job to just cover the team in an understated Mm -hmm. way and part of the reason for that is for not for a beat writer not really giving his opinion is you know the lesser chance of you ticking off people you cover you can just keep it straight
2: Mm -hmm. whereas Mm -hmm. now
0: it's good gosh now i can't think of hardly anybody who's just straight covering whatever it is it always has to be the hot take on twitter or wherever um, it was
1: beat writer or columnist. Yeah. Don't, but don't go, don't, don't, don't go to columnist. Then it gradually became more of stating a, opinion. Yep. But now, now we've reached the point, uh, and particularly, I don't know if it's, it's cause or effect to where like, you, there is no, you, there is no discussion. You have to debate. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's particularly evident on TV. Um, but it, you know, I think it comes across on in social media and everywhere. That it's not about having a discussion on what could be right or giving both sides or giving any points. It's like you come equipped with uh, a hard stance because that's and and there's no backing off of it. And you, you need it to be kind of as polarizing or controversial as possible um, because that's. I mean, ultimately there is a business arm to journalism and everything and that's that is that is what they've deemed to sell you know, or what they have to have in order to try and sell is something, something debatable. Uh, And it's completely kind of changed the complexion of how, how we frame any, any coverage, any content we do uh, is trying to come strong with our takes.
0: Yeah. And, and even in the old days, you know, columnists who probably weren't doing a thoughtful enough or thorough enough job. It was, you saw, you know, a lot of instances of, you know, they just come and, to a game you know come in from out of town and it's like if the team is struggling then it's rip the coach or even say you know coach should be fired not mm-hmm. saying that they didn't have a, a point generally in some cases but you know like there's no relationship there's no there was not mm-hmm. as much inclination to okay let me let me try to Find the nuance of what's going on here, and maybe, mm-hmm. uh, am I going to be fair-minded? You know, that, I guess that's really ultimately it. Is 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 even in the old days there was not that fair-mindedness. It was just the, the the sort of duty to have a strong opinion, right? Like somebody's got to do yeah. it, I guess. But still, I just don't know if I could really live that way. You know, knowing that I didn't like fully explore something. You know, yes, or
1: or you weren't in a position to be fully educated yeah, on, like exactly. because you're having to helicopter in and be, you know, have have strong opinions or you know just opinions on uh, all the full range of topics uh, that you're you're covering for that newspaper as, as columnists. Going to golf one day, basketball, you know, to, to to South Carolina one day, to Clemson the next day, like there's truly no way for you to, to truly be educated on. Should this per, you know is this person really doing a good job or not uh, what are the factors you know, all the factors involved
0: it's wild so. though the, the the role and the profile and stature of a columnist just in general has been just wiped out essentially because opinions are a dime a dozen right like everybody mm-hmm. everybody has one so i mean i, I I'll never forget when, when I was in journalism school and here comes this thing called the internet. And, you know, this shows you how little brain activity I had. I did not make the connection between, Oh, if I can read all these New York columnists <laughs> for free <laughs> on on this computer, then maybe this profession might be headed to some, to some uncertain mm-hmm. times. But I, the, the, what I really loved was, uh, was reading all the New York guys at the time, like after an NBA playoff game or football game. It's like Mike Lupica, people like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, man, like there was just such a, such a tough minded sort of unforgiving sensibility. And man, you didn't screw around with those guys. And, Mm -hmm. um, and now it's just like, it's just an ocean of opinion. And, and, and those, the, the major voices, I mean, Paul, we grew up watching the sports reporters on Sunday mornings,
2: you know, <laughs> Bob
0: Ryan and Mike Lipica and the, mm-hmm. the Bill Conlon. <laughs> the guy was just, yes. I mean, rest in peace. But man, he was a, he was a jerk. And it, but it didn't mm-hmm. matter. Like, because he, like he and they had a monopoly on opinion. And so mm-hmm. he could be just as much of a, of a, of an ass as, as he wanted to be. And there was no cost because he was the only voice that mattered, I guess, in Philadelphia, or wherever it mm-hmm. was. But I you just had this picture of him, like glowering at the camera, holding his coffee, and as he's blasts mm-hmm. whoever whoever it <laughs> is. But it's just that's such a relic. I mean, that's like a, a dinosaur age thinking back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, in a day and age where you had to earn your voice through time. Yep. Now everybody's got a voice um, through you know what we can post on social media. Uh, and it's just kind of uh, the the echo chamber as as well as like the just a total saturation of voices out there diminishes the strength of of just about anybody's.
0: Upstate foodies. Want to take a moment to talk to you about our favorite taco spot, Willie Taco. Five locations across the upstate, this award-winning team has been serving up fresh taco fusion for a solid decade now. The chefs at Willy Taco utilize the freshest, most creative, and sometimes unexpected ingredients in their kitchens. Come see why Southern Living, Garden and & Gun, and Food and & Wine Magazine are raving about Willy Taco and their signature offerings, such as their Southern Tide, Crispy Avocado, Nashville Hot Chicken Tacos, literally flavors you will not find anywhere else, folks, and don't forget about the cocktails, super fresh margaritas, ice-cold cerveza, and over 80 tequilas served up daily from behind the bar. So don't wait, folks. Your Willy Taco Familia is ready to serve you up their twist on funky, fresh fusion. It's the Willie way. Another loyal supporter of the Dubcast is Blackacre Law Firm in Greenville, a subsidiary of Parham Smith & Archenthold. Blackacre helps South Carolina residents achieve their dreams of home ownership by providing experienced, professional representation for real estate closings. Attention to detail is crucial in real estate. State law, Blackacre is committed to making sure nothing gets by them preparing residential or commercial closings. Blackacre also offers estate planning services for their clients in the Greenville area. Find out more about Blackacre at 864 326 3507. Want to share a quick word about Founders Federal Credit Union? If you've been to a sporting event in Clemson, you've probably heard about Founders already. They are the official credit union partner of the Clemson Tigers. In addition to that, all Clemson faculty, staff, and students are eligible for membership as well as IPTA members. Its office is located beside the Walmart Neighborhood Market on Old Greenville Highway in Clemson. For more information, go to foundersfcu.com. Uh, so Clemson's recruiting, shifting gears, obviously. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> people people don't want to hear us talk for an hour about uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> These guys are boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, do, do they have a chance to have a, a number one class with a 25 class
1: i i, I hesitate to, to go that high uh, and even even probably even top 3 or 4 just based on you know year over year like you, you know what georgia's going to bring in and until till you know it was almost like alabama for a decade under Saban. until proven otherwise georgia's going to end up with a top class uh, like they they can go get who they want um, more than anybody else, uh, and they've shown the, the capacity to be able to do so. They can they can go into any type of recruitment and win it. Uh, one you know, um, so that's that to me like they they're number one until, um, and I think the manner in which Clemson recruits says that year over year you know, they are, they're probably going to be more in the seven to 10 range because of, in best case, or maybe, maybe five to 10. Uh, and if you can get that, you get higher, if you can get that premium quarterback uh, and maybe a defensive line or, or one other, one other kind of blue chip guy, if those types are in the crosshair, you know, the year they had DJ and Brazil and, and Miles Murphy, you back to, they, they didn't have a highly ranked class, totally the, the Trevor Lawrence years because of volume, but when they had Trevor and Justin Ross and Xavier Thomas, you know, you, you need the the banner guys in, in that top five to 10 prospects nationally. And I don't know that, that Clemson gets that this cycle, but I think it, it is compelling. You know, if you've got Clemson coming off a couple of three wins and then a four loss season and still putting together what I think will be probably a, a seven to 10 class, um, uh, when all's and when all's said and done, uh, so you know I think it is it is fascinating to see, and we'll see. Um, maybe if they get David Sanders, uh, they are right there with Georgia competing for the, the five star offensive tackle. And if you can get the number one guy in the country, yeah, that uh, that that puts you up there. I don't I don't know that Clemson will have the number of five stars that it will take, but you can also make a a, a compelling argument that the order between two and 10 is so up in the air these days and maybe even beyond because what NIL and pay for play has done is redistributing the wealth a little bit. Uh, you're having Georgia will still end up with more, but you've got many more schools represented among those 32, five stars uh, on you know a Missouri able to come in now and, and, and buy one, a, uh, and, and a litany of other schools, uh, that's not just picking on, on Missouri, but, uh, you know, there's so many, so many other schools are able to get blue chip, you know, the five-star talent, the rivals, 100 rivals, 250 talent than before, uh, that it's, it's spread around a little bit more, but I still think it's fascinating that with how they recruit and Clemson kind of not using NIL as a a bidding war, leveraging deal that Clemson is still able to, still able to get that caliber of recruiting class by saying we're countercultural and here's how, here is why our method is, it benefits you and your child, and there's still plenty of, plenty of, plenty enough high-end talents and families and people around those kids that buy what Clemson wants out of the college experience. Uh, that that Clemson is able to maintain that level that to me is you know it, it was a question going in a reasonable question but right. I think Clemson is is answering it with this class is what you know going off what you know they, they've they still had they just put it together their seventh top 10 class in a row but the fact that 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 this one still looks like it could be so good uh, in in light of all this kind of going on within the landscape is telling to me
0: Yeah, the fact that we're even having a conversation about could they be number one is in this during this time is remarkable. How do you think this is going to be sort of reconciled or interpreted by the sort of the national in the national conversation, which I guess includes media folks? fans like because for quite some time it's been mm-hmm. you know the takeaway and even from some clemson fans has been oh uh, you know debba is just not gonna adapt and there's no way this can that the that, that the that his traditional model can mm-hmm. can hold up yeah it's outdated, and this, yeah, and... it's outdated. Mm-hmm. like how <laughs> like it, i mean it, if this keeps up and there's no evidence that suggests it won't, and they finish, you know, mm-hmm. the top five, top ten, whatever, with a really good recruiting class. Like like you said, after a four-loss season, which came after a three-loss season, which came after another three-loss season, mm-hmm. how is the – I mean, are people getting back to fair-minded? <laughs> is there going to be a lot of fair-mindedness in the appraisals?
1: I don't I, I don't know that I don't know that you know and media is a broad blanket you know it's tough to throw a blanket over media because uh, everybody's got different opinions yeah uh, and there there will be some that uh, I mean there will be plenty of folks who won't back down uh, and and will will maybe give Clemson a little do or, or give Dabo a little do um, but will still kind of take take umbrage with his approach uh and and there you know i think there would be some but i think david sanders is a big kind of fulcrum there like i think if you get the nation's number one and you know there are others who might have them two or three but 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 generally like you get someone of that magnitude and are able uh, to kind of keep stacking guys like i don't know how you can necessarily avoid that uh that that becomes a story when you know if clemson finishes seven to ten and and has some, some good four stars and whatnot, you know. While the evidence might be there that that Clemson can continue to sustain with this approach, I don't know that you have anybody backing off. Kind of the look, they've got to go nil. They've got to they've got to play this game. It you know, uh, and, and the season the season returns will ultimately kind of dictate that con- drive that conversation. But you know, I think if if they can get it, you know, get a David Sanders, get some truly profound, like overt recruiting momentum that, that people can't ignore. I mean, to me, that becomes a bit of, that becomes a huge story and as far as national recruiting on look, look, they're they're doing this differently than everybody else and it's still working. You know, that, that maybe, maybe just maybe Davos Sweeney ended up right and not, just immediately like doing what everybody else did. Um, yeah. You know, so we'll see. I, I don't know how much, I don't know how much the, the narrative would really change. Uh, and I think it, it may even take Clemson winning on the field for it to change, um, which has, you know, a little less to do with recruiting and actually more to do with, you know, um, you know, hitting on the one, you know, getting the right quarterback and, and getting the right pieces in there to do it. Uh, but as far as getting the ones they want, like it is, it's quite impressive that, uh, that Clemson has maintained, if not, you know, in some respects, even elevated uh, the level of some guys in, in getting, getting who they are.
0: Is it possible that, 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 I mean, everybody just assumes that Dabo and Clemson are going to stay as rigid as they have been on the NIL thing. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that, I mean, because it's hard to really know. It's not like you're going to, in talking to signees or commitments, mm-hmm. in no, there's no, ex, or a few examples of, they're not, they're not going to come out and say, oh yeah, well they gave me a better deal than this, <laughs> this other mm-hmm. school. They're going to of course <laughs> talk about the, I love the school and it's a family and this and that at Clemson and everywhere. Mm-hmm. But is it possible that Clemson is is becoming more open to the NIL thing, even if they're not necessarily getting in bidding wars left and right. Because I tend to think, if it's not if it's not necessarily the case with this class, that
2: mm-hmm. I think
0: Davo is going to be m- much more adaptable. Moving forward long term than maybe a lot of folks outside on the outside think.
1: I think they already have been, and I think it's a matter of packaging and how you talk about it. Yeah. Uh, like I, I think you could even go back to not this class they just signed, but the one before that. and you know, like if you aren't like players are getting paid, uh, and, and like I think you and I know this. Like you know, uh, Clemson is not. I think there's the perception that Clemson is so anti NIL, and they've been fighting against that to a degree already. Uh, the Clemson is not anti NIL, but what it isn't going to be is, hey, you know, hey, I'm getting 200, you know, I throw out just numbers. Hey, I'm getting a hundred thousand dollars from this school. What, you know, can you give me 125? Mm-hmm. And then you, you give Clemson says 125, and then he goes to Georgia, and they up it to 150, and you're going back and forth kid commits somewhere. It doesn't matter. You're still bidding. You know, uh, that's just not the game they're going to play. That's the, that's the difference. But I do think Clemson has been very aggressive uh, and I don't think Clemson gets just, for example, the defensive line they did last class, you know, Peter Woods was big on branding, come out of high school, Uh, you know, already had his own merchandising line, you know, was ready to set that stuff up, you know, uh, kind of looking for his future like, I think Clemson was already on the front end on how to market individuals, how to, you know, help get them to where they want to go. Uh, you know, uh, I think as the, the saying is like, look in the parking lot. Like, it's not like they're all driving, right. you know, uh, beat up old cars out there. Like guys, are, guys are getting paid uh, and you can get paid really well if you're a Clemson, but we're not going to sit here and set you know, turn this into a leveraging or negotiating battle. You know, here's kind of where you can get pay wise. That's pretty good pay, um, and I think they are pretty good. You know, uh, and as well as here are all the other benefits that we can give you beyond that. You know, not not giving yeah. not giving like immediately, but like here's Paul Journey. You know, after after college, the internships, you know, setting you up for for life, and to be able to take the short term money or that you're getting in college but having that grow for you, build, you know, building your brand. Uh, I think Clemson is very aggressive with that. Uh, It's kind of counter the, the idea on that. They, that they, that they aren't going to pay you or give you like the, what I would, you know, equate to in professional sports, the signing bonus. You know, you're not, I don't think you're going to get the signing bonus with Clemson, but you're going to get paid. Uh, And I think that the Dabo Sweeney and, and, and Clemson, while that's not the point they sit there and hammer uh, because they don't want it to be all about, about money, but I certainly think they are a lot more open to uh, an understanding of that, hey, you're you're not, you know, that players are going to have to be paid and you want them to get paid and compensated uh, within your program. And I think they, they have gone to great lengths to make sure that guys and parents and people understand that.
0: And the, their stance of you know, we're not going to lead with an IL and, and we are not going to do pay for play because that is against the rules. Like, I get it and I admire that to an extent, but, like, I think it <laughs> it's the push and pull between the legalistic and the philosophical, I guess. Like, so it's, mm-hmm. yes, it's not legal to induce or whatever to pay them for playing football, but it's also the philosophical of Dabo not wanting that type of a relationship, or the type mm-hmm. of kid usually that comes with. Oh, yeah, it's going to be this. The, the, the first question he asks is, "How much can you give me?" You know, he, and mm-hmm. for good reason, he doesn't want that type of player in his locker room. But but you can't. Mm-hmm. But 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 also like okay, so on one hand, you you know you don't want that to be a topic of of a. Uh, 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 conversation initially when you're talking about a recruit a high school recruit or a portal guy but then when you have a guy who comes in who's on your team who has had a good season and he's getting calls from other schools and he says like can I get a better deal and you give him a better deal (laughs) that's yeah (laughs) that's pay for play I mean like so Mm -hmm. I I think it's, it's kind of a kind of a slippery slope there uh, philosophically it, i guess it,
1: it, it is um you know and i don't think you can avoid necessarily the latter but i i think they're i think where they they draw the difference is you know all right how much equity do we have in our relationship you know the mutual investment, like uh you know uh, yeah uh like i think there is i think there is a difference between all right we have put we have invested into each other you know, two years already, mm-hmm. um, you know, you coming to, to me and saying, you know, uh, showing what you could get to go elsewhere. Probably, I think it's probably just viewed and treated different, fair, fair or not, um, than a kid from who has proven nothing on campus already. Um, and he's asking to be paid more than kids who are already there who have put in the time. And I, th- I, th- I just think investment is big for Dabo Sweeney. Uh, you know, emotionally, relationally, uh, and so, yeah, you, you do have to. Do, he does have to deal with that. Um, and I, I think that's probably not a part that they necessarily love. But uh, with the, the current players, um, but I do, I do think you can draw a, a at least a a difference between that happening from the high school ranks to the guys who are the guys who are on your roster already and kind of have more established value by what they have done at the college level.
0: You have so much of a better grasp on roster management and all that. I'm just curious if we could touch on quarterback. Um, I just got finished this morning writing about our sort of spring look ahead of Mm -hmm. what we're expecting. And, And it's kind of interesting, like each of the last three off seasons, 21 22 23 you go into spring you go into the offseason you know with these assumptions being made you know in 21 it
2: mm-hmm.
0: was oh well dj is just going to pick right up where trevor left off um based on his excellent showings in those two starts in 20 and then mm-hmm. in 22 it was up oh, here's Cade to the rescue. You know, if if DJ yeah. <laughs> if DJ falters, then Cade's going to be good enough to 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 you know to take over. And then last year mm-hmm. it was, you know, there was there was some question, but there was still that belief that Cade mixed with Garrett Riley yeah. was going to lift <laughs> them to to formidability. Whereas now it's like, I think the common sort of assessment of quarterback is I got no idea <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, is that where you are too
1: I mean I think I I feel like the you know uh, going back to like even last year where we're kind of like all right Riley sprinkles his magic dust and then voila you've got instant quarterback here where I, I feel like the I feel like they're I think there's more of a medium line here on, I think there are a number of people who feel like, all right, Cade is going to take that final drive uh, against Kentucky. And that's going to be springboard into a, a great, you know, he's going to make this, this jump now going in, into next season where he can be uh, where I think personally, like uh, I I think I have more question, you know, I think for the first half of last season, I think people have, I don't, I don't know. I think speaking to your greater point, I don't know where I, I can't, I I can't put my finger on where, where the exact pulse of the entire fan base is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think there's just kind of a, a, maybe just a wait and see feel. You know, personally, I, I thought, you know, I, I look at, at how, how many older quarterbacks there are out there. And I, thought the the first half of the season last year we saw club progress and start to get you know get rid of some of the, the wild stuff he was doing you know let's see where he would be at the end of the season and you kind of even though progress isn't linear uh feel like all right he's going to mature and have grown out of some things and maybe maybe be ready to take a huge you know be be more of closer to his final product by the third year where i feel like the second half of the season was almost like you know, more closer to DJ's second half of his previous year where you go, you kind of hope he would have made some strides that he, that maybe he didn't make uh, down the stretch. Uh, and and while he had been schooled out of some of, you know, some of the crazy errors, you know, maybe he wasn't making as many plays. Um, maybe he's tentative, afraid to make mistakes. Maybe he's not seeing some things in time that you'd hoped by this stage he would. So I think I kind of, you know, I think I kind of go into next season with the question of, all right, you know, uh, not really feeling as great about where that second half of the season was with him. You know, can that will that turn around through the course of an offseason? I mean, we know how much confidence matters. I mean, you can even go back to preseason camp and some things we saw where I think he was much more aggressive and throwing the ball down the field. Uh, And more decisive in that regard. Uh, And I think, but I think it's why you see the coaching staff talking as well about all right, Christopher Christopher Vizina needs to be pressuring him some as much because I think they just, you know, uh, my read on that is as much they feel like they they need to be better at quarterback. So they need options to be better. And so maybe competition drives Klubnik to be better, or maybe they just need competition because they need other options. Uh, so, I think there's a real kind of question, just an uncertainty on where Clemson's going to be a quarterback next year. It probably just um, correlates to what you're saying on just kind of don't really know. don't really know what they've got or where where the trajectory is going.
0: Would it be crazy if uh, anticipated or hoped for a competition doesn't materialize in the spring and they went out and got somebody out of the portal at quarterback over the summer?
1: I mean, to me, that would be crazy because I don't know who's going to be available. Like, Mm -hmm. I I just don't see a, I don't see probably a worthwhile quarterback coming available, especially if you're not tampering. And even if you were tampering, uh, like looking at the ones that were on the market, you know, uh, just this past off season, I mean, there were a couple of decent ones, couple, you know, a couple that you'd say, all right, maybe he's he's an upgrade or could be an upgrade. Uh, just looking at it on paper, but I don't think there was any guaranteed product, um, and, or, or there were few guaranteed products. And even those, I mean, the uh, it's well documented the cost of you know quarterbacks. Quarterbacks are pretty smart. They you know all these guys have agents now. I mean, you're you're pushing in you know well into the one million dollar range. You know, I think that's a that would be a that would be such a dramatic change from how Davos Sweeney has done business to this point. And you would, you know, even though it probably would not be advertised any price point. I mean, that's you to get a good quarterback, you would have to pay for it. Uh, And that's not a direction that Clemson has gone with any transfer with any, with any real kind of even the high school prospect up front with, you know, the signing bonus kind of thing that I, I referenced. So, I just don't see that being an avenue that they that they legitimately could find something. I mean, they may think they can go look for help, but I don't know that you're going to be able to find, find a, a real kind of plug-and-play option.
0: Well, Paul, had I known the exhaustive to-do list you have today and tomorrow and Sunday before <laughs> I started this, I would not have asked you to come on, so I apologize. But thank you. It's been great.
1: Oh, it's been fun. We'll do it again soon.
0: Always enjoy talking to old Pauly Streets, I guess some people say. A long-time friend, great guy, and of course, one of the premier recruiting reporters in the business. Thank you to the support of our sponsors for continuing to help make this happen. And thanks, of course, to every single one of you for hitting that play button. Really appreciate it. Cheers.